You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. If you've got your Bibles, open to Acts chapter 9, beginning at verse 20. We've been going through the book of Acts ever since Easter. That was a good time to, to start with the resurrection. If you don't have your devices with you or your Bibles, you can look at the screen. This is the NIV translation. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. Who started to preach? Who? Saul. Okay, good. Somebody's, somebody's remembering where we left off from last week. And so he's in Damascus, and he, he's staying there for a while with the disciples in Damascus. And what's he do? After his sight is restored and he's filled with the Holy Spirit, he's got to go off to the synagogues, and he's got to go proclaim Jesus is the Son of God. Notice how he does it. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on, his na- on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. After many days had gone by, the Jews conspired to kill him. But Saul learned of their their plan. Day and night they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Grecian Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the brothers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and set him off to Tarsus. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. It was strengthened and encouraged By the Holy Spirit, it grew in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to make it real in in our lives. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit's saying to the church. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So after spending several day with, days with the disciples, uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit, only one thing can happen. You've got to start sharing what Jesus has done for you. Oh, yeah. And it's not as though Saul was like this baby little pagan Christian who, who didn't know anything about the things of God. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. And, and he was religious and devout. And he... he tried everything. He just, had the, he, he just had the misinformation. He didn't realize that the Messiah that he'd been longing for to come had come. And so he was so upset with this new cult, the way, 
that he wanted to destroy it. And so he was taking everybody, everybody, prisoner, back to Jerusalem, special letters to go to Damascus, take them back and, and get rid of them. And hopefully to curtail this thing before it got any larger. But, you know, as we looked two weeks ago, he had this experience where he encountered the Messiah. He encountered Jesus and had a, a face-to-face encounter of the holy kind. And uh, it just changed his whole life. Three days he couldn't eat. Three days he was blind. He has a vision of a man named Ananias that comes to him. Oh, I love it. You know, God knows how to speak to us even when we're so resistant and even when our theology is so off, he has a way of speaking to us so that we know it's him. So I I thought it was really nice of God to give him a vision, (laughs) but he had to work harder with Ananias because Ananias knew that Saul was there to put believers in prison. And so Ananias... The Lord had to visit him and speak to him and say, this is, this is my chosen servant. Go, pray for him. And so he goes. Now, it was really interesting that in Saul's vision, he gets the name of the guy that's coming. He gets the name Ananias. It's important that you get the name. That had to boost both of their confidence Ananias that, okay, yeah, God really has ordained this. And Saul to know that something wonderful was about to happen because the man that the Lord had in a vision revealed was coming and he received his sight. I think that's a pretty good miracle. Sign me up. I like like that. And so there there we have it. So now we have Saul in Damascus. You know, we we see things are, are happening. He's eating, his strength is back, he's filled with the Holy Spirit, and several days with the disciples, immediately began preaching that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, it's interesting that he knows all the Old Testament scriptures, and this guy knows it, and when he finally connects the dots that Jesus is the Messiah, he starts to see all the different connections between Jesus and the Messiah, which is bad news for all the Jews that don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. They noticed, the Jews there noticed that he he was the one that had been persecuting the church in Jerusalem. The persecution had been pretty much localized just to the Jerusalem area. And it was was very serious and it was very very powerful persecution. And now it was starting to spread to Damascus, but it got nipped in the bud by the Lord Jesus. So they realized that, and, and, and they, they even knew that he had papers to arrest the, the believers in Damascus. But here's the, the part of the scripture I love. It says, and, and Saul, he grew more and more powerful. Okay? Now, I, I wish we had that understanding when we became converts to Jesus. When, yeah. when we gave our lives and we said our sinner's prayer and asked Jesus to forgive us our sins, come into our heart, all, all that goes along with that, it would be great. The filling of the Holy Spirit is one of the key ingredients after we receive Christ as Lord and Savior and he comes and he enters into our heart. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to come and to fill us with his presence And that's how we start to grow more and more and more and more powerful 
Anybody want to be more powerful? Do you, does anybody here have all the power they need right now? They're, they're fully empowered. They're right up there, right next to Jesus. No, no, okay. So I think the first exhortation to give to us today from the scriptures is, let's follow Saul's example. And wherever we are, that's where we start. But that's not where we stay. Let's continue to become more and more powerful. Mm. We need the Holy Spirit for that. But he's poured out in an abundant way uh, without limit. And let's just keep maximizing the Holy Spirit's deposit within our lives. And so now he's, he's, he's baffling the Jews, he's debating the Jews, and he's proving that Jesus is the Christ. There's nothing more dangerous than the zeal of a new believer. You know, there, there's nothing. I mean, that, that thing, you, if you can remember back when you came to Jesus, man, I got to go back to nine, yeah. 10 years old. And the, the zeal, you know, I, I'm playing baseball at this time. And I know my manager doesn't know Jesus. My coach doesn't know Jesus. And I'm wanting him to know Jesus. And so I'm in his face with all my zeal, but no tact. You know, that, that's kind of, you know, we major in zeal when we first get converted. We first find the reality of, of the joy of having our sins forgiven and the freedom that comes in Christ. And then the desire to see everybody know God. Everybody know God through his son, Jesus. And so we're, we're out. I, I'm with my pastor buddies and we just reflect and we're talking, you know, it's like, yeah, what kind of stupid stuff did you do when you first got saved? And it was like, oh man. You know, we just, we just went. We didn't know anything. We didn't know anything. We just went and people got saved and this happened and this happened and this happened. And it was just amazing all the different things that took place. For me, the, the, the real moment came when the Holy Spirit came into my life because the Holy Spirit was, was a, a doctrine, a theology. We, we talked about him occasionally, but we didn't really have an experiential relationship with him. But when we, had, when, when we had that outbreaking in 1970, sorry, kids, nobody was born then. But 1970, the Asbury Revival, they came to our church and they shared what the Holy Spirit was doing, how God was moving on the campus. And I said, sign me up. And I went to the altar and invited the Holy Spirit to come into my life and turn my life upside down. I'm now a sophomore in high school. And I don't think my feet touched the halls at Southport High School for a couple weeks. And I am writing an advanced composition, evangelistic compositions for my teacher because I know she doesn't know Jesus. Oh, I know she doesn't know Jesus. She comes in on Monday morning and we all know that she partied hard all weekend. And she was just, I mean, she was hardly even put together in time for Monday. And so I'm writing these evangelistic compositions, trying to get it there so that she can come to Jesus. Oh, yeah. If I had a little more wisdom, I wouldn't kill my grade quite so bad. <laughs> there was more red on those papers than blue ink. And uh, it was like, okay, I think I'm meeting some resistance here. And... Uh, so, 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 so there's, there's a zeal when we first come and when the Holy Spirit really comes upon us and within us and, and we have to share that. 
And uh, our youth group in our little church was about uh, 25 to 30 kids. And in the next three, four years, we're up to, you know, over 100. And we would have a, an event called the fifth quarter down in the, down in the fellowship hall of the church. And there would be four quarters of the football game, and then we were the fifth quarter. There'd be four quarters of the basketball game, then we'd be the fifth quarter. And it was a complete evangelistic opportunity to present the gospel to our friends at high school. And we had 13 different high schools in our youth group in the Indianapolis surrounding area. And we proclaimed the gospel. I don't know how many kids got saved. My physics partner got saved, and he went into the ministry, and uh, he was my buddy. And, and we, we were just leading people to Christ all the time. It was just, it was easy. It was so, so much fun. We had no fear, and we had no really discretion of what is socially acceptable. We just went for it. And when you do, there's always going to be kickback. So Saul's going for it. He's proclaiming Jesus. He's proving that Jesus is the Messiah. He's proclaiming in Jesus the very name of Yahweh. And in the process, they want to kill him. They want to kill him. They find out about the, the plan. And so they let him through an opening in the wall. They let him out in a basket. Saul was literally a basket case. And, and, he, and he went over the wall, and they weren't able to kill him. Anybody have anybody that's got a contract out on you? Yeah. It's no fun when you're, you're, when you're worrying about... I know, I, I know sometimes the enemy does weird things. But I, I had, had a guy that used to always say, I can, you know, I can get a guy in, from Miami for... Uh, fifty dollars, I can get fifty bullets. OMG. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? Never, never have I feared for my life. Saul knew what it was like to fear for his life. I don't, I, I don't know. You know, for me, you know, just getting my letter grade marked down because uh, I was trying to evangelize my teacher you know, almost caused me to shrink back. Nobody put a contract out on me. And it's like, the enemy will always do whatever he can do as we start moving toward God, as we start moving toward Jesus, there will be every attack from the kingdom of darkness to try to get us to shrink back, to, sh to cause us to kind of go back inside our turtle shell and stay protected. But that's not what Saul does. He leaves Tarsus, and now we see, or he, he leaves Damascus, and now we see Saul heading to Jerusalem. And everybody in Jerusalem is rejoicing that Saul's coming. Yippee, Saul's coming. He tries to meet with the disciples, tries to meet with the apostles, and every opportunity that he tries to take to connect with them uh, sorry, busy, uh, can't make it, uh, out till Tuesday. Uh, they give him the brush off because they don't believe he's a real disciple and they're afraid of him because you got to remember, he was the number one terrorizer of, a of the believers in Jerusalem. Now he's back at Jerusalem. 
and he's a believer. He'd just gone a few days ago. A couple weeks have gone by, and now he's back, and we're supposed to, we're supposed to receive him? My stars, what are we going to do? So he comes to Jerusalem. He tries to join. Nobody's believing it. But then Barnabas comes and takes him and brings him to the apostles. Now, isn't that interesting? Could be that Saul has already given up on connecting with, with the believers in Jerusalem. But Barnabas comes and he takes Saul and he brings him to the apostles. Man, don't you love Barnabas? What a name. I like Barnabas, son of encouragement. You know, there he is, and, and he brings them together and he tells them this. This is what it takes for them to believe that Saul's really a believer. He tells them about his experience of seeing the Lord on the Damascus Road, says that the Lord had spoken to him. Now, they all know that when Jesus speaks to you, it has a transforming effect. When you see Jesus, it has a transforming effect. So here are two things that are really life transforming that has happened to Saul. So he's thinking, okay, maybe. And then he says he preached fearlessly in Damascus in the name of Jesus. And I imagine he added that they, <laughs> there were some Jews there that wanted to kill him. So they received him. He stayed with them. He was moving about freely. He was speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. Still not getting a clue. Be careful. They want to kill you in Damascus? Well, they want to kill you in Jerusalem as well. He talked and debated. Well, now when he's talking and debating, he, he, he is, he's a trained, he's, a, he's an orator, he is a keen intellect, and he's talking to the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem, and he's showing them how Jesus is the Messiah. The other were just tax collectors and fishermen, mostly, disciples. And they were known as, they were uneducated men. But here is Saul, PhD plus. He is so intelligent. And now he's debating with the intellectual Jews and they can't, they can't compete with his argument. He can prove that Jesus is the Messiah. So it's a, when he debates them, he's, they're examining together. One translation says he's arguing. He's arguing with them. And that didn't set well. Once again, they try to kill him. And I like the fact that they really, really understand that Paul has had a conversion. They finally get it. And now it says, and the brothers came to, came to Saul and wanted to protect him. And so they take him to Caesarea and then set him off for Tarsus. Wow. This represents a whole new line of, of ministry as we get to chapter 10, as all of a sudden the Gentiles are now included in the gospel. So the brothers have an exit strategy. They get him out from Caesarea to Tarsus. And the church, everybody go, <sighs> had a time of peace. A time of peace. The persecution subsided, but the church did not go 
in shrink-back mode. The church didn't uh, sit on its laurels. It continued. It was strengthened, which is the word for edification. It was built up. It was continually being built up. It, they were encouraged by the Holy Spirit. And, and the word for encouraged right there is paraclete. It, it, in the Greek, it means the one who comes alongside. And when the Holy Spirit comes alongside, that's a comfort, but it's also a, an incredible encouragement. When you know that the Holy Spirit is around you, I, I like the way Bill Johnson put it, the Holy Spirit is in us for our benefit. He comes upon us, around us, for others' benefit. And so as the Holy Spirit comes and he's around He's the paraclete. We know that something's up in the kingdom. God's up to something and wants to do something. The church continued to grow in numbers. Wow. It grew. The, the word here has the connotation that there was a fullness of measure. It was growing in fullness. It was increasing. It was continuing to develop. And they were living in the fear of the Lord. Living means that they were continuing the journey. They were continuing to go forward. They would keep going on. They, they weren't just us four and no more. It wasn't a, it wasn't a separatist mentality. It was... We're, we're growing, we're increasing, we're continuing, and we're living in the fear of the Lord. We're living as we're continuing on this incredible journey with Jesus. And when you do that, there, there's nothing but absolute reverence for the Lord Jesus, for God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. As you continue to go, I, I find that the more things that you see in the kingdom, the more reverence you have and awe you have for the power of God. When you see how he comes up against the demonic and with just a simple word spoken out of your mouth in the name of Jesus, it comes against some of the strongest principalities and powers and demonic forces and stops them dead in their tracks. Amazing. And as that continues, it brings a sense of awe. Living in the fear of the Lord. As we continue on chapter 9, we get some really wonderful miracles next week. Make sure you come. It's going to be good, good stuff. And kind of set you up for that, I'm going to give uh, Brian an opportunity to share a little testimony of, of what's been going on, how the Lord's been using him. It's good to have him back from Elko. Thanks, Rick. Hi friends, it's so good to be here in the house of the Lord, it's so good to see so many people I worship with for years and years, and uh, it's just really wonderful. So, I'm here for uh, and one more day, but I, I I've, um, came actually to, to watch Jessica get married yesterday, it was just a beautiful celebration, and, and God has just blessed me with, with like opportunities to like just see his goodness and minister to people throughout the, my trip here, and um, a couple days ago, I got my hair cut, and uh, my my hairdresser has lupus, and 
And she's just miserable. I mean, I, I don't know anything about lupus except I know it's an autoimmune disease and it, it attacks at you. And um, she's like, I never, every morning I wake up and I can't walk for like hours. So I have to do all these medicines and I like wake up and eventually I can actually stand on my own and I get up and I can start my day. People have no idea that I, I struggle with this. And, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't imagine what that is like. And uh, she was cutting my hair. She's, she's a believer, and she is an amazing woman. She, uh, if, you ever, if you ever need a great, if you don't like who you go to, I highly recommend it, because she does like this scalp massage after she does this haircut, like, and she prays over you, and I'm honestly, <laughs> I'm like closing my eyes, and I'm just like, white light is just pouring over me, and I'm asleep, basically, in, in heaven. And I'm asking God, like, what? What do you want me to do? What, what do you see for her? And I asked her, I saw like a lion or a tiger. I said, what, is it, what does that mean to you? And she was telling me like about her cat, which is this tiger looking thing. And I was like, yeah, you know, have you ever heard of um, the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe? She's like, yeah. And I said, you know, Aslan is the lion. And uh, this is like a kid's story about Jesus and, and how good God is. And she didn't really know much about it. And she's like, well, that's amazing. I was like, you know, for some reason, I just, would it be okay if I prayed for you? She's like, of course. So she sits down in her chair, and so the rules change. Now I'm like standing up, and she's sitting down in her chair. And, and uh, so I just started praying for her, and I just asked um, God to heal her of her lupus, so that she would wake up tomorrow, the next day, and uh, that she would walk. And, and it was really funny. It was a beautiful thing. I texted her the next morning. Apparently she just woke up. And uh, it was so awesome. It was like, I just said, good morning. And she said, oh my gosh. I said, well, how are you feeling? And, and it was like a minute later, she's like, I, I should just read it because it's more fun to read it. Um, she says, oh my gosh. She said, well, tell me how, me how you feel. She says, I got right out of bed and walked. Praise the Lord, I said. Is this, she's like, is this for real? <laughs> like she had She's like, is this really, what's, what's happening? And I said, seriously, it's, it is. I said, how are your eyes? I don't know, I'm still crying. Um, I said, well, amen. Your faith is, has healed you. And, um, and that's how good. But, but it was really a fascinating thing, because like last night I was talking with her and then another friend, um, just testifying about what happened. And so my other friend, Michelle, I got to pray for her as well after, um, I've been praying for all my friends. It's like, you guys have an opportunity to minister to everybody you know. It's just a true story. So everyone you run into, you have this, this opportunity here, and then say, God, you know, do you want me to pray for them? And most of the time people will say, yeah. So then it requires two things. One is the desire for them. They, want it. they need to have the desire to be healed. And then a testimony really does a great job telling them that it's also for them. So their faith grows. And you just ask God to do his thing, and he does it. I mean, there's nothing more than our faith and their faith joining with his power and authority, which he gave us when he died. He said, your power is mine. Your authority is mine. And I want you to have it, and I want to use it. So that was my my. my Testimony that way. Pray for.
friend with arthritis in her toe. A uh, friend of mine whose son is suicidal just broke off the spirit of suicide over him this week. Um, friend with uh, uh, just business development and stuff like that. And so, you know, honestly, there's so many things that we can pray for each other for, as well as just our day-to-day lives. And um, you know, I know Amen. we might have ministry time as well. And I'd love, you know, to, to get to pray for people as well. And just believe that God um, loves to show off. He's He is the God of the impossible, not the God of the possible. Because possible things would not make Him glorified, right? Amen. And uh, that's what my friend, she's like, my other friend was asking Terry, like, did you do anything different? It's like... No, it's like, I mean, she was looking for a reason that would be possible for this to happen. It's like, God is the God of the impossible. <laughs> he does not want things that are easy. The possibles are things that you can do. The impossibles are the things that he can do. And so it's so good. Amen. He gets to like say, yeah, I can do that. And then you, please bring it. So, yeah. So let's bring it. Amen. Right. Amen. Got one more testimony. Michelle, come on up. Go ahead, Sue, and put the slide up. Michelle's been uh, loving on our mail lady for quite some time, and uh, it's gotten a relationship with her, and I'll let her explain this. Well, Teresa's a mail carrier, and she came in a couple weeks ago and said that her great-niece was going to be having open-heart surgery, and her great-niece is four months old. Her, uh, when they got in and did the surgery, her heart was the size of a strawberry, the size of the hole was the size of a dime, um, and um, it was real serious, the little baby had not, you know, she was um, oxygen, she was not doing well at all, but, and the funny thing was, it turned out that her, the little baby's dad was my her, uh, EP doctor, and so it just kind of connected even more so. And uh, but anyway, her name is Angelique Grace, and she's a beautiful old baby. But she came in. <laughs> this, this is eight days after the surgery that we've been praying for her. Um, I did have a picture of where it showed where she had the stitches in her. I just didn't want to show that. <laughs> I just thought we pray for this little girl and just praise God that she's come along so well. And thank you for your prayers. Amen. Amen. Testimonies are wonderful. They encourage us. They activate faith. They're another way of saying, do it again, God. And whatever kind of physical condition or spiritual, emotional, relational, we want to just make prayer an opportunity this morning for anyone who has need. Uh, We're going to invite you to come to the front. Brian will be up here. RB, we'll have several of our folks, uh, all Sockham Chuck, uh, come, come on up and, and we'll be right up here. Feel free to come to any one of us and we'll be happy to pray for you. And uh, if you don't want to come up, raise your hand, we'll come to you. Okay? If we see a hand lifted, we're going to assume that that means you want prayer. Okay? Yeah, yeah, indeed. <laughs> Indeed. Okay, so if you get the, uh, well, I won't be cute. Jesus, thank you. Thank you so much for your love. Thank you that you loved us so much that you gave us Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you love the Father so much and you loved us so much that you came and gave your life 
Hmm. Thank you that as you came and died, was raised on the third day, as you ascended to the right hand of the Father, you released the Holy Spirit to the earth. And now, Holy Spirit, we welcome you as the one, the third member of, of the Trinity, the one who has come to glorify Jesus in, in us, in the earth. And even as you breathe upon the prayer that Jesus taught us, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we highlight as it is. We want to see things on earth as it is in heaven. We want to see the fullness of heaven, your kingdom manifested here. And so where sickness and disease comes to rob, steal, and kill, Lord, we know that you've come that we could have life to the max, the best expression of life available. Mm. And so we, we wait on you, Holy Spirit. Come, bring your healing touch. I pray for the courage for the one who might be hesitant to get prayer. I pray that you would put a boldness now, that you would give an enabling grace to step forward and to receive. In Jesus' name. We would say that the service is kind of over, but it's never over because to watch what Jesus is doing is as exciting as having uh, be the receiver of it. I love to watch when Jesus is moving and uh, you feel free to stay, but when you need to leave, you feel free to leave and slip quietly. Let's keep things quiet in the sanctuary so that we can minister to people. And you can go right out into the foyer and, and have great fellowship, get another cup of coffee, enjoy, uh, enjoy the presence of another. But those that would like to receive prayer, feel free to come forward. And if we don't have enough prayer, prayer people, just, just stand up here and we'll get to you. God bless. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.